Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anyway, time to look outside our borders. Our guide once again is Jonathan DeBurka Butler. Jonathan, good afternoon. To Sean, you. how are you getting on? Uh, right. Uh, Peru, we're going to go to uh, first where, uh, it, was it a rebellion attempt or what exactly has happened there? Well, that's what they're saying. The, the, the last time we spoke about poor old Pedro Castillo, who is the now former president of Peru, was only in October and I didn't, I have to be honest with you, expect to be here talking about him again. Mm-hmm. But I, I find myself in, in this position of having to because it's quite a big story. So Pedro Castillo was only 18 months in the job, right? So he was he won an election, very narrow election back in June of 2021 uh, against Keiko Fujimori, who has run several times and again is a name that we've mentioned a few times uh, on this particular slot. But from the outset, he was beset by problems. You might remember the first time we covered Pedro Castillo was because of a plagiarism scandal. (laughs) Yes, Uh, him and the wife. Him and the wife, yeah, had plagiarised their thesis, allegedly. And that was the first thing that actually got him uh, into an impeachment process. So that was the first time he faced that. He faced a second one uh, just a couple of months ago and he had a constitutional complaint level against him back in October when we were speaking about him the last time. So there was another impeachment process being launched against him, a third one last Wednesday. And he decided it would be a good idea to pre, to sort of launch a preemptive strike. And he went on national TV and decided to dissolve Congress. He just said, I'm getting rid of the lot of you. Now, this was despite the fact that he is held up effectively by a minority government. And when I say a minority government, I mean 44 seats to 88 seats, right? Okay, so yes. So all he needed... All <laughs> Overplaying he needed, his yeah, hand there. He was slightly <laughs> overplaying his hand, right? When this happened, there was a complaint made to the Constitutional Court and the judge in the Constitutional Court said, no way, not sanctioning this at all. This is illegal. And straight away, Congress went and they voted him out. So it didn't even go to an impeachment process. They just said, you're gone, right? We're replacing you, right? Mm. The writing was on the wall for him. He went back to the presidential palace, got his family together got into an SUV and was apparently heading towards the Mexican embassy. Okay, presumably he was looking for some sort of political asylum from them because they've been known to do it in the past. That's where Morales went in uh, in Bolivia. So Mm. they have a record there. And he was stopped. The SUV was stopped and subsequently escorted to the police. So at the same time as the cameras were looking at Congress swearing in a new president, there were other cameras in this police station looking at him in front of the AG who was detaining him on suspicion of rebellion. Now, a more dramatic day in politics anywhere in the world, I don't think you could get. Uh, so he is now gone and he is still detained. Uh, presumably they, the AG and investigators are still gathering evidence against him. And critically, on the day that Congress said they didn't want him anymore, his allies didn't back him, right? So the defence minister, and the reason I'm saying the defence minister, because obviously that's the army. Mm. Uh, they came out as well, obviously, and they made a statement saying we're supporting the constitution. We won't be supporting the president. So his number was up and he is now gone. Yeah, it's curious. And then it seems like he was trying to do a legger there that he must have known he was going to face potentially some sort of criminal charges. Well, it's a good point. I mean, absolutely. As I said, I think the writing was on the wall. Uh, And interestingly enough, the, the Mexican embassy was asked had they offered him asylum. And they said, well, you know, we didn't, we're not saying whether we did or we didn't either mm. way, but we do have a record 
record of offering people who are in political difficulty asylum. So they're saying, you know, it's a backhanded way of saying we think that he has been badly treated. And they're not the only ones. There's been quite a few protests in Peru, uh, particularly in the south of the country and in the poorer parts of the country. He's an an indigenous Peruvian, uh, if such a thing exists. Mm. Um, And... Uh, there have been riots there and two people have died as a result. So there has been violence uh, and a violent reaction to this. And among the po- uh, the population, has it been seen as a positive thing, kind of uh, reinforcing their faith in democracy, etc., etc.? There was there was a couple of polls that were done. So the, the vice president, by the way, is the new pre- her, his former vice president, okay. Dina Bolwarte, a 60-year-old lawyer. Uh, she's come to power now. She's the first woman there. There was a poll done, to answer your question, sorry, there was a poll done there recently, uh, back in April, and 76% of those asked said their impression of Mr. Castillo was a negative one. Okay. Now, on the other side of that, I did find another poll which said that 86% of the population disapprove of Congress. So, mm, you know, I think okay. their faith in politicians overall isn't very good. And when you consider some of the politicians that have been and gone, like Keiko Fujimori's father, who was president there a couple of years ago, he's in prison. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that particular family are corrupt to the, to the eyeballs. You know? OK. All right. So, yeah, you can't really blame them for that. Right. So we're... <laughs> Down the road to Argentina uh, for a similar kind of story. Uh, the, the vice president found guilty of corruption. Yeah, vice president and former president. This is Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, of course, very famous global politician, really, because she's had such a long history uh, in politics. Her husband, Nestor, of course, uh, de Kirchner was, was president before her. Um, she's never far away from scandal. She's uh, nearly 70 now. And mm. um, this is another appearance in court. And uh, she's been sentenced to six years for corruption. Now, this comes off the back of allegations that were made against her during her period in power from 2007 to 2015, when she was apparently giving kickbacks and giving money to a businessman by the name of Lazaro Baez, who was the owner of a construction firm. Okay, And he was accused of being the main beneficiary of a scheme that she dreamed up uh, to to offer him, um, you know, construction contracts. The, yeah, this part of the world is full of this and the money then goes and disappears. Um, and so, so the construction never takes place. No, That's, the construction yeah. never took place or at least wasn't completed. Uh, and most of it took place in the area that she was representing down in Santa Cruz. <laughs> um, so as I said, she's never far away from controversy. You know, this isn't the first time that there's been uh, accusations of corruption and, and worse, in fact, made against her. Yeah, and now I, I assume she was kind of denying all the charges against her. And and did she have an explanation as to why all this money was being sent to a builder who never built anything? Well, no explanation because you you can't explain something that's made up, which is of course what she said, right? Uh, okay, and, and it's politically motivated. Um, so you know, um, <laughs> she had nothing to explain as far as she was concerned, and it's highly unlikely because of her position as vice president and speaker of the Senate that she will see any time. Uh, oh, really? Whole, why? Uh, well, she's got immunity. Uh, there's a diplomatic appeals process, uh, or sorry, an appeals process that she can go through, of course, which will take years. And then, of course, she can run for president next year as well. So uh, unlikely she'll see any prison time at all. Would she have support? Would she have enough support to, to be a serious contender for president after this? Well, her current president is uh, Alberto Fernandez, who she mm. serves under, inverted yeah. commas. Now, a lot of people say that it's basically Christina is is ruling through him and he's something of a puppet uh, in many respects. 
Uh, I think she does have a lot of support uh, throughout the country. Uh, I mean, it's very div- divisive politics there, mm. as it is in most <laughs> of South America. I mean, she, there was an assassination attempt against her in uh, early September, you might remember, where a gun was pointed at her face mm. at, at a rally that was taking place outside her apartment. And this was all off the back of this particular case. There was, It was like like you see in the United States one side of the street was for the other side of the street against her all shouting at each other she comes out she's greeting people in in the crowd and somebody points a gun in her face and tries to shoot but the gun jammed Um, so again very dramatic stuff Wow Right Afghanistan we're going to go to uh, next uh, where uh, God uh, just shows that the uh, uh, the the new regime and the uh, uh, that or at least the regime that tried to convince us that they changed it doesn't sound like they have no, this is um, the Taliban in Afghanistan. And um, yeah, it looks like they're up to their old tricks. I was actually scrolling through Twitter yesterday and for some bizarre reason, Afghanistan was trending and I stupidly decided to go and look uh, because it's part of the part of the work, obviously. And some of the videos, obviously, they can't necessarily be verified all the mm-hmm. time, but some of the videos on there are absolutely horrendous. And these guys are back to their own tr- old trick again. Now, there had been suspicion and rumour that floggings and various different executions had had been taking place for a while but now they're coming out and publicly stating that it happened, right? So this happened in the southwestern province of Farah, okay? It's a population of about 600,000, about half the size of Ireland, right? It's not very densely populated. And it happened in a sports stadium and this was, was actually, the um, execution was actually carried out by the father of the victim Okay, so the the man in question was Tajmir had stabbed a man by the name of Mustafa apparently five years ago, some sort of conflict that they had or some sort of argument that they had. The Taliban courts came back, they sentenced him to, to death and this was approved by the Supreme Leader and they advertised it. So they told people to come to the sports field where this execution was going to take place. Everybody welcome, bring your family, all that kind of thing. Well, I don't know if they said bring their family, sorry, I don't mean to be so <laughs> flippant about it, but... Um, this was done uh, publicly, and, and and the man took the gun uh, on behalf of his his dead son, and he shot the shot the um, convicted man three times. My word, D- is that something he might have been required to do, or pressure put upon him to do this, or I don't would it be voluntary. I, I I don't know. The, there was an there was an interesting aspect to this story in that the the BBC apparently got a quote from the murdered man's mother. Now, to Mm. me, it sounds like a setup, but she said that the Taliban leaders had pleaded with her to forgive the man, the the convicted criminal, Mm. but she had insisted upon his execution. Um, She said that this could be a lesson to other people. If you do not execute him, he will commit other crimes in the future. It sounds to me like the Taliban might have put her up to that. Then again, it might have been what she wanted. Uh, and as I said, I don't know if the if the father was forced to carry it out, but um, that might lead yeah. you to conclude what 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 compelled him. It's an interesting thing, given I mean, just on a practical level, from their point of view, given that that the country is broke, yeah. uh, so many uh, huge sections of the uh, of the country are living in the most dire poverty. They're not getting the international aid, and it's for stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 and women's rights. Uh, mm. The fact that you know they're not letting. Um, girls go back to school. I think they've stopped that now, haven't they? That's when the World Bank decided to remove money from them a couple of months ago when they mm. said, no, no more women going back. And some of those videos are showing women being flogged, uh, you know, for standing up for themselves and various different other yeah. 
very silly things. Right, uh, a bit closer to home, Spain we're going to go to now. And you have occasionally brought these stories to us before, Jonathan. These are kind of uh, about from the Franco era. Mm. And, you know, there are still issues to be talked about uh, from then. And this is a mass ex- exhumation of bodies. Yes, this is, um, I mean, the Civil War took place, as you know, between 1936 and 1939. So it seems like a very long time ago. But there are still things to be dealt with. I mean, I think it was only in 2015 that Madrid uh, decided to drop all the names relating to Franco on their streets. And there's various things like that that are still ongoing. Um, So this is in relation to the Basque town of Orduna. It's a small town. Um, as I said, in the Basque country, population about four and a half thousand. And this particular grave was dug in around 1941. Um, And it's believed that the remains of over 225 people are on this site. Now, so far, they've exhumed the bodies of 53 people and they're going to do various different DNA tests and they're going to find out who they are. They have a fair idea of who most of them are already, but Mm -hmm. they're going to, you know, tally the DNA with the records then get in touch with their families so they can be buried in a in a proper manner, I suppose. Um, so this was a concentration camp during the Civil War, apparently, and then after that it was a prison for about two years. It's thought that most of these 53 bodies uh, were of, are of prisoners who died between February and June of 1941. Um, so, yeah. This is still a story that's ongoing. Uh, and would they all have been executed? Is all it? been executed. Or yeah. it's, it's thought that most of them would have been executed or maybe died of malnutrition. Um, either way, uh, you know, it was, it was a very sad end for, for, for all the people that were there. Yeah. About 100,000 people remain missing, apparently, from that conflict. My word. Mm. Right, the United States we're going to go to uh, finally and uh, an 18-year-old uh, is going to run a small town in Arkansas. Yeah, I put a tweet of an interview out with uh, with CBS uh, with this young uh, Jalen Smith is his name, he's a Democrat. Uh, it's an interesting kind of an interview they did with, with CBS just to talk to him and mm. they were slightly patronising towards him I have to <laughs> say, but he kept a very serious tone all the way through and he's one of the youngest mayors ever to be elected in the United States. He only finished high school last year. He's in college at the moment moment and he ran in the town or city officially of Earl which is a population of about just under 2,000 so it's very small in Arkansas uh, which is that where Clintons uh, the Clintons were from is that that's Arkansas, from Arkansas that's, yeah. Yeah, that's where they were from so you never know um, and he is a, a, a young black man uh, and he narrowly won 235 votes by, against 183. The guy he was up against was Nemi Matthews, who was the head of sanitation in the place. So he already had a foothold mm. in local politics there. They're friends, apparently, and they know each other quite well. Um, he's a close family friend, Nemi Matthews. So hopefully it won't go uh, into too much uh, <laughs> of, 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 too much animosity uh, throughout the their political career. Uh, right, so <laughs> what should we uh, look out for over the next uh, week or so? Yeah, so a few things to watch out for. I think the um, Fijian elections, I mentioned them last week, but uh, Frank Bainé Marama is going for another four years in power. He's been in power since 2006. Uh, polling suggests he might be up against it this time. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Something to watch out for and I'll report back next week on that. And there's also elections in Tunisia for the representative um, body there. Uh, they're being boycotted by the opposition due to them being effectively sham elections. Yeah, uh, and to think that was the start of the autumn yeah. spring uh, way back when. Jonathan, thanks a million thanks, as Sean. ever. Jonathan de Burka Butler there. 
Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think of getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.